Welcome to the fifth episode of the Cardano Development Insights podcast series, where we will discuss how ratings can support financial transactions in developing countries that have sustainable development goal benefit. I'm Joris van Oppenrij. And I'm Oli Giu. Our insights platform is where we share our ideas and expert knowledge of local financial market development in frontier and emerging markets with a strong focus on local currency financing. After listening to today's episode, head over to our website to find out more. This episode wraps up the first series of the CD Insights podcast, but we have an exciting new series just on the horizon. So stay tuned for updates. For now, let's look at today's key insights. Ratings, like those from Fitch and Moody's, can be used as an effective way to enable financial transactions and investments in developing countries. Ratings can be used to enhance the attractiveness of capital structures for borrowers, bond investors and banks. Ratings help governments from emerging and frontier markets issue bonds to domestic and international investors. On the lineup today, we have Joost Zeitberg, CEO of Cardano Development. And we have Philip Buskus, CEO of Frontclear. So let's start with you, Joost. Can you tell us what ratings are and why they are so important for enabling financial transactions in developing countries? So ratings are a key uh, building block within the financial infrastructure for a well-functioning capital market, whether this is in Europe, in, the, in America, or in a developing country. A rating is an independent evaluation of credit risk, which means the risk that the investment will be repaid, and the independent evaluation, which is provided at the start, helps a bond or a loan to be established. But perhaps even more importantly, ratings are also maintained throughout the life of uh, an instrument and allow the investor to use any changes in uh, rating to balance their portfolio, to take decisions on whether to increase or decrease a particular exposure and essentially uh, react against uh, signals coming from rating agencies. So therefore, it is, in our opinion, an established uh, situation in developed markets, which are fast being more and more crucial in also developing countries. In a secondary fashion, the fact that a rating agency continues to monitor a transaction after start also provides a very good dynamic management support for investors in managing their investments uh, going forward. Okay, thank you. So if I understand you correctly, ratings are extremely important for investors to understand the risk of what they are investing. Is that that right? Uh, Yes, so per transaction, that's true. And if you look at it on a slightly uh, higher level, Ratings agencies provide a very crucial part of the financial infrastructure of capital markets. And how is that different in developing countries than in, let's say, the Western world? Ratings were created in uh, markets that are liquid in support of uh, a very frequent activity and, and where the efficiency aspects are most pronounced. In developing countries, The transaction flow is usually much less um, frequent. Therefore, the use of ratings is not as pronounced right now. That means that investors are not yet used to include ratings automatically as elsewhere. Um, Market regulators use less the benefit of ratings in uh, their regulatory structures 
So it, it, it is, in all cases, a slightly uh, less advanced topic. Now, you've worked on many financial transactions and projects that incorporate the use of ratings. Can you give us an example of success? Yes, yeah, so, so we are a big proponent of uh, use of ratings more prominently when we try to develop a or participate in the development of a capital market precisely for the beneficial effect of this, this market infrastructure role and improving efficiency. So we always try to work with investors and help them understand the value of ratings. We also see that rating agencies are, at this point, very interested to be engaged in some of the startup markets in Africa and Asia. So everyone's involved to, to try and make it work. At the same time, every uh, stakeholder has to invest some measure of time to better understand how this can work. And that is where we uh, usually come in to, to facilitate. And can you illustrate this by, by means of a concrete example of a deal, Joost? Certainly. I think the work that Gerentko has done in a market like Kenya with a number of bond issuances in the last uh, two years have much, we believe, much recovered the confidence that the market has in utilizing ratings and most specifically in the ACORN issuance of last year, which was a sustainable housing bond that was placed in the, in the domestic market. So, Joost, there are many benefits of ratings, but are there any limitations within the industry? The limitations that we deal with, with uh, in the context of, de- of developing countries have to do with the rigor within which the rating agencies are forced to, to work, which doesn't really quite work well in low data environments, in markets that do not trade very frequently, and also, frankly, where there is not a whole lot of other rated institutions or rated instruments out there. Ratings work best when there is a lot of other rated instruments against which Comparisons can be made. Where these do not exist, the rating agency has to operate somewhat in a vacuum. And again, we're faced with that as well as with little data. The rating agencies tend to have to be relatively conservative in their approach. That leads to worse ratings than needed when we look at the actual risk of instruments that we try to do and bad ratings lead to bad pricing and uh, less efficient capital markets. Thanks, Joost. Let's bring in Philip now. Um, Philip, can you tell us about the innovative ways Frontclear utilises ratings to enable financial transactions in developing countries? Thanks, Oli, and thank you for inviting me on to the show. So Frontier is a, a development finance institution that was set up in 2015 by a number of European governments and development institutions. And our goal in life is to try and develop local money markets in, uh, in, in developing countries. And we do that by using guarantees, by issuing guarantees. 
And of course, guarantees are tools that have been used by the development finance community for many, many years as a way of intervening in any particular situation and and typically providing credit enhancement to some local borrower or project that is looking to raise money from certain types of investors. And it's in here where ratings become absolutely critical. So in our role as a guarantor, we basically issue rated guarantees to various counterparties and investors. And this effectively allows local borrowers and projects to get access to a capital market because there is now a rated guarantor or a rated balance sheet in place to to make the transaction happen. So I think in many cases, uh, particularly getting international ratings uh, for local borrowers can be quite an expensive uh, process and quite an intensive uh, process to get through. And yet, if you don't have a rating, even at country level, you know, you're sort of left behind because there are many investors that perhaps would not even look at uh, a particular opportunity without that external rating. The main benefit being, of course, that by having a third independent party use a structured methodology to assess a certain risk, it helps uh, lower transaction costs. It makes it possible for investors that are otherwise not experts in a particular country or on a particular project to potentially participate. So in our case, we we use our rating or implied rating, I should say, in order to credit enhance banks locally to allow them to get access to capital markets. And can you give us an example of how you do that? Yes, with pleasure. So one of the most exciting projects we have uh, ongoing at the moment is a project called Trade Clear. And what we are doing is we are actually issuing a, a guarantee, again, on the back of um, our rating and that of our counter guarantor, KFW, where we are allowing banks in a particular country to set up trading lines among themselves uh, in order to build a more inclusive interbank market. So the problem we're trying to solve here is that in many emerging markets, you will find one or two strong local banks. Often they are subsidiaries of foreign owned banks. And then we have a whole host of small locally owned banks. And none of these entities are rated, uh, first of all. And so what you have is a problem of perceived counterparty credit risk. So these banks are reluctant to transact with one another because it's difficult to assess credit risk and uh, perhaps because in many cases there are no ratings available. The result of this is that um, we have very illiquid and undeveloped markets and this has repercussions for the real economy and economic growth and poverty reduction and so forth. In our case, what we do is we use a guarantee and, uh, and an online platform called TradeClear that allows us to issue guarantees in real time. And this allows these banks, uh, so say up to 15, 20 banks, all participating under the same TradeClear platform, where we basically guarantee the counterparty credit risk of every bank to any other bank. So if one or two banks default, we will cover the losses for all the other banks. And again, the purpose of the guarantee uh, is to create a level playing field. So to use our rating to ensure that all the banks in a particular market, no matter how small, have a minimum level of access to the market. And through that, we can greatly improve uh, financial market efficiency. 
So TradeClear is an incredible innovation. How do you see it progressing in the future? And what sort of benefits do you think we're going to reap as time goes on? Well, it's certainly something we're extremely excited about. Um, I think, indeed, it is a very innovative use of guarantees and, by extension, ratings to create markets in a very efficient manner. The basic idea behind TradeClear was post-2008 financial crisis, there has been a a lot of changes in legislation, uh, banking legislation requiring banks who trade with other banks to stick to certain amounts of certain types of rules in how they trade. For instance, one of those is that in advanced markets, many different types of derivatives are now centrally cleared by central clearing counterparties that are designed to be very highly rated, you know, almost indestructible, one would hope, financial institutions that eliminate counterparty credit risk. And the idea behind TradeClear is to mimic those benefits in smaller emerging markets, but without the hassle um, of going onshore and setting up local clearing houses, which are not realistic because, um, one, of course, the countries themselves are already non-investment grade, so any onshore infrastructure would hit a, a rating ceiling most likely and in any way the economics just don't make sense to go and set up expensive infrastructure when there isn't a large enough market so what we've come up with really is just a very simple guarantee agreement where as i say a rated counterparty guarantees the credit risk of the local banks and next to that we've built an online platform where the banks are able to manage their limits and get the guarantees issued such that this can be really designed for flow trading you know hundreds of transactions a day all being dealt with between these banks So, yeah, it's, again, just trying to find practical ways of intervening in local markets by leveraging our capital and our ratings to make it possible for banks to get together and uh, and build their markets. So, Philip, you you briefly mentioned in a previous answer, I think, uh, that you are counter-guaranteed. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, so Frontclear uh, is an institution that was set up in 2015-2016 as a, a company with a balance sheet that's core role in life is to issue guarantees. And of course, if you are in the business of issuing guarantees, you better be rated because whether or not banks can get capital relief from a guarantee, there are very strict uh, rules on that coming from the Basel III rules, which determine whether or not banks are able to get capital relief from the benefit of a third-party guarantee. And in particular, for banks that are on what's called the standardized approach, unless the third-party guarantor is externally rated by one of the top rating agencies, then typically banks cannot get any benefit from that guarantee. So in our case, to help us during our startup phase, um, we have received a counter-guarantee from KFW. KFW is a German AAA-rated state-owned bank. And what that means is that every time we issue a guarantee on a transaction, KFW actually counter-guarantees us, i.e., Basically, if we were to default on our guarantee obligation, then KFW would step in and pay the beneficiary of the guarantee. And this has been uh, hugely important for us to build our business because 
again, you know, um, investors and institutions, although they don't rely entirely on external ratings, when it comes to getting comfortable with a certain credit risk, the fact that there's an external rating, it's almost like a stamp of approval. And in some markets, it's a minimum to get into the door. But certainly, I've, I've been in enough credit committees that as soon as there is a rated party, everybody relaxes and gets more comfortable with approving the transaction. So we certainly needed to be able to give our beneficiaries access to a rated counterparty, even though when you look at our overall capital structure, it is essentially triple A in any way. But indeed, until we get that stamp of approval, we have the benefit of this counter guarantee. Then I was wondering, so are there any differences between local ratings and international ratings? I, I think there are differences, uh, but they both have an important role to play. I think uh, the international rating agencies have a limit in their ability to sort of go down the credit curve, right? So they don't have the resources to go and rate every African bond issuance in every African market. And arguably, they don't have enough local knowledge to be able to do that. At the same time, of course, when you want to get access to international markets, you really need an international rating from a Moody's or a Fitch or an S&P, not just because they set the benchmark, but it's actually written into law. So in the European Union, again, if you want to get capital relief or invest in a certain bond, unless it's rated by one of the top three accredited agencies, the rating doesn't mean anything. So you can't use it for capital purposes. So once you want to get to international markets, I think uh, the international rating agencies are core. But in the local markets, uh, the local rating agencies are extremely useful and they play a very important role. Uh, so for instance, there's a rating agency in Nigeria that uh, basically rates most of the bond issuance being issued in the local market. And they're able to do that because they're on the ground. They understand the local context. They're able to do it at a reasonable price and provide important comfort to local investors to, to participate in local issuances. So I, I certainly think there's a very strong role to play for both types. Joost, you would like to add something to that? Yes, yours. I think ratings are a measure of relative risk compared to other risks. International ratings provide that within an international and global context. Local ratings provide it in a local context. And so both inform in a slightly different way. As Philip uh, was talking about the difficulty for, for global institutions to, to be fully aware of, of domestic The domestic situation is one aspect. The other is that global rating agencies are not focused very much on risks in very complicated small economies. And therefore, as I was alluding to before, when faced with uncertainty, they become logically risk adverse. So a local rating may sometimes be better at uh, giving um, value to risk elements that um, an international rating agency would discount. So when we work on, um, let's say, creating local issuances or trying to, to see how a, uh, a series of investments could be, could be placed in a, in a market, we tend to 
really like working with the local rating agencies, provided that, of course, they must have certain uh, levels of, um, of rigor in their process. The good news is that in quite a few intermediate-sized countries, such as Nigeria, Kenya, Pakistan, Bangladesh, the, uh, the quality of the ratings in terms of their process and in terms of their professional attitude to risk is really, really quite decent. So we tend to uh, more and more collaborate with local ratings. But as Philip points out, the, the inclusion of international ratings is always, uh, uh, can, can be required as well. Let's wrap up now with a question to both of our panellists. So we've discussed ratings at length now and their importance for the market at large. But in a perfect world, how would you both improve the situation regarding rating agencies and their businesses in developing countries so that it becomes even better than it currently already is? Well, I think everybody thinks ratings are great as long as you get the rating you want. <laughs> and um, we've seen uh, recently in the news uh, a country like Ghana that has been downgraded to triple C status, which is, of course, one of the lowest ratings you can get. And the Ghanaian government being quite upset about it and arguing that Moody's and, and others uh, don't understand enough the local context. And it's gone far enough that even the African Union has now called that Africa should set up its own rating agency. So I think that's going to be tough. I think the truth is the international rating agencies are very regulated, especially since the 2008 crisis, and that has its pros and cons. It's brought some uh, legitimacy back to the rating exercise, but I think as Joost highlighted, it does mean that when you want to rate something that doesn't quite fit in a particular box, you know, it's not a bank, it's not an insurance company, it's not a pension fund, it's some kind of innovative new business, then things become difficult and unnecessarily so. So I guess my one suggestion would be that it would be quite interesting to explore almost some kind of a sandbox type methodology where the rating agencies have some leeway to, to be a little bit more creative in, in coming up with ratings. At the moment, um, they have no incentive to, to step outside the box, so to speak. In defense of uh, the rating agencies, um, we obviously uh, have very frequent discussions with them around startups or uh, new types of, uh, of solutions that we provide that we're trying to develop. And we find that there is quite an enthusiasm to help innovate, uh, even though, as Philip says, you would think that being faced with, uh, with uncertainty wouldn't be their primary interest. Uh, so given that that's the case, we see that uh, the rating agencies really try and accommodate within a highly regulated and, and difficult environment in terms of flexibility. I, I can only echo what Philip says. We, we, we would desire uh, the ability to test out uh, business models a bit more. That's number one. Number two is we would really push, we do every time we can, for disclosure of more data on credit risk in developing countries so that the rating agencies can take more comfort in the actually pretty reasonably reasonably good track record of debt in a place like Africa. So with more data being disclosed, we would 
hope that the rating agencies can uh, relax a little bit the safety buffers that they include in their own models. A massive thanks to Joost and Philip for joining us on the podcast and to you for listening. I'm Joris van Opperij. And I'm Oli Giu. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit our website for loads of extra content and information. That's godanodevelopment.com slash insights. Bye for now and stay tuned for series two. Bye bye.